getting a little too extreme with the dancing along to the intro music. Hi guys, welcome back to Previously Gifted. My window's open today, so you may be hearing some ambient noise, and if you can't, it's just me. Pay no attention to what you can't pay attention to. Um, yeah, welcome back to Previously Gifted. This week, just to gloss over what we will be heavily glossing over. Um, I want to discuss my miracle shopping trip, some Starbucks problems, and wild, wild country, to name a few things. I'm sure I will get off track and talk about many other things. Um, but thank you guys for listening, as always. Uh, thank you for your YouTube comments. Make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, um, leave an iTunes review, and most importantly, become a patron. If you go to patreon.com slash previously gifted, you can see how you can support the podcast, aka me, um, <laughs> and also I will be posting exclusively on my Patreon this summer because I'll be taking a hiatus. So the only way you'll be able to hear any podcast episodes from me over basically the next two months, June through August, basically, is through Patreon because I won't have time to do videos and it will be only audio. But if you care about me, you'll do it. And if you don't care about me, um, see you in the fucking fall. Okay? I gotta give a shout out to my patrons, most importantly, my sponsors. Shout out to Liz Walsh. I tried to change it up this time and say it in reverse order, and I fricked up. Liz Walsh, Jerome Nivens, Matt Barham, Lily Dillon, Eric Courtright, Kirsty McCulloch, Hannah Baker, and Joni Kay. I love you guys. Thank you so much for continually supporting the pod. And thank you again. <laughs> I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you. Secondly, I just wanted to say thank you. Okay, so let's jump right the frick in. Um, my miracle shopping trip. <laughs> I have to start further back than that. I, this year, have been on a path of wellness. Um, mostly, like, making sure that I do all the health checkups that normal people do. Um, we all know here in the U.S. of A., a lot of us don't go to the doctor as often as we're supposed to, and that's very sketchy. Um, but it's totally understandable when you have any sort of, like, insurance or affordability issues, and it's just like, fuck! You're like, I don't want to go even to the urgent care when I'm, like, deadly sick, let alone just call up the doc to see how things are, you know? What if that ends up costing me a lot of money? Anyway, uh, this year I've been just trying to do checkups. <laughs> so I've been doing my blood tests. Um, I started birth control to get my crazy hormones out of whack. And actually, it's been helping, I think. Also, I think the sunshine and not being in the dead of winter has helped, like, my mental health and physical health and everything. Um, but next up on my list was a trip to the dermatologist because I've never had a <laughs> freckle check. And, um, you know, when you, like, hear of any medical problem or just literally anything, and then suddenly you're fearful that you have all the problems? That happened to me. I may have told this story before. I was watching a Lifetime movie a couple years back. 
Um, and it was about this, like, random, ordinary high school girl who got HIV from her random high school boyfriend. Uh, and, like, in that moment, I was like, wow, I've had sex. What if I have HIV right now and I don't know it? Terrifying. Um, that was one of the blood tests that I just did, and I don't have HIV, so that's great news. But anyway, yeah, I get... <laughs> I get very freaked out. I mean, that, these are real things. By the way, go get an HIV test. Get your STI test. Like, there's such a weird steg stigma around it, which makes sense because it's like, you don't want to walk into your doctor and be like, hey, I need an HIV test, thinking that they'll go, oh, are you, like, having dangerous sex or something? Or do you do, like, intravenous drugs? Your doctor's not going to judge you. Literally everyone who has sex should have these tests done. Just make sure you're safe and then you can keep all your partners safe. Anyway, <laughs> it's all about medical safety here. Um, another thing that I freaked myself out about is my skin and freckles and skin cancer. Um, yeah, I had never had anyone like look over my freckles or moles. And yeah, you know when you're Googling and it's showing you the A, B, C, D, E, E's, whatever of skin cancer and all the things that could be potentially worrying. Oh man, like Nathan and I would like trade off and look at each other's skin and be like, oh, there's kind of a questionable one on your back here. And then you just sit there and you're like, okay, cool. So I could have, you know, a cancerous tumor uh, growing in my skin right now, or this could just be an ordinary freckle or mole. So anyway, I finally booked an appointment to see a dermatologist for the first time, um, just for an annual skin check, which they also told me that I don't need to do that annually. You pretty much only have to do like very frequent skin checks with a doctor, like if you've had skin cancer in the past or if you're like very, very susceptible to it, if it's like in your family history and stuff, but like truly anyone could get it. So it is good to just check in. Anyway, I went to the dermatologist. It was in this really swanky medical building, and I suddenly felt like I was on, like, Grey's Anatomy, but not in a hospital, you know? I was like, wow, this is really nice. And I walk up to, <laughs> I walk up to, like, the receptionist. Um, that day I had freshly washed hair, which I look like shit today, so you wouldn't be able to, like, imagine this. Um, my hair looked really nice, and I did do my signature, like, red eyeshadow that I'm doing recently. And I may have been wearing my orange jacket, so it was just very colorful. Um, I walk up to the reception, and the lady's like, she looks up and sees me, and she's like, oh my god, your eyes are so pretty. Like, I, I saw your eyes, and I thought you had contacts. Wow, and your makeup, and your hair. She's like, wow, your whole look goes together so well. Look, look, she grabs the two people sitting next to her who couldn't see me because of, like, some dividers. Um, so they both come into my visual frame, and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, wow. And I felt so uncomfortable. So I was like, oh, thank you. But also, like, now I have three people just like, staring at me. What are you supposed to do in that situation? Strike a pose? Flip your hair? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, um... It took way too long to get my paperwork done and get out of that room because I just, I didn't want to talk to them anymore. Even though they were very friendly and it was really nice for my confidence, uh, it still made me a little uncomfortable. Anyway, I go in, um, <laughs> I love going to the doctor, it's so funny. Um, I'm like, I'm like beating my fears. Cause as I've said, like, I'm not the type of person who goes to the, do the doctor often. So even like little things like wearing the gowns <laughs> and like having exams done feels new and like weird to me. So I'm like, I'm brave 
for taking off all my clothes and putting on this gown. Anyway, so I did exactly that. Um, I was only wearing my undies and my gown and this like pretty blonde doctor comes in and she's like, hi, my name is Dr. So-and-so, like, let's do this. <laughs> I'm like, she, she's so soft. I'm like, wow, what a wonderful woman. She like grabs my hand and is like flipping over my arms and like touching me lightly. And I was like, this is crazy. Um, wow. <laughs> um, I was like, am I questioning my sexuality or what? But not really. It was just like, she's literally just looking at my skin and she's... She's nice. I'm nice. But she was complimenting me again. She complimented my hair. She complimented my makeup. I was like, yes, bitch. It's a good day. But then she was like saying really nice things about my skin. She's like, wow, you have gorgeous skin. Oh, beautiful. She looks over like my whole front of my body and she's like, I haven't even seen them all yet. And then she's just like, <laughs> turns me around. She's looking at my ass. I was just like, okay, all right. Um, but yeah, she was very complimentary. And I left and I was just like, wow. Holy shit. Like, I did not expect for everything to go well. By the way, all of my freckles and things were all good. Nothing nothing looked um, suspicious. But they did have another doctor come in um, as, like, a second opinion. She looked me over again with their little device with just basically, like, a flashlight magnifying glass. I don't know. But they're, like, looking at some freckles up close, and they're like, all right, you're all good. But anyway, I expected to just go and have some freckles looked at. And I left this dermatologist appointment just being absolutely gassed up, dude. Not, like, physically, but, like, they gassed me up. Like, like I, my head was a fucking balloon. My ego was through the roof. I was happy, feeling good about myself. And most of all, got to rest assured that my skin is fine. But I do need to wear sunblock and all that, you know. Um, <laughs> so I leave the dermatologist appointment and, like... I had already Googled prior to my appointment if there was a Starbucks nearby. This was on one of my days off. I needed my coffee. And there was one within, like, walking distance. So I was like, fuck, yeah, bitch. Um, which doesn't happen all the time because we're out here on Long Island. Most things are not walkable. So, like, it was a pretty lucky sitch. So I'm, like, going toward the Starbucks, which is maybe, like, two blocks away. And I'm coming up on this shopping center. <laughs> and, like... It's just an ordinary shopping center, my friend. But I was, like, so excited by it. I see, what? I don't know, like, a Vons. Just, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. It was, like, the most the most average shopping center. There was, like, a Shake Shack. Um, and then there was a Macy's Backstage. And in that moment, suddenly, I was like, I deserve to go shopping, you know? Um, <laughs> so I go into this Macy's backstage. And usually I'm not a fan of Macy's. I don't like big old department stores. But what I didn't realize, what this, this was basically like a Nordstrom rack of Macy's. It looked like a little, like more like a TJ Maxx than anything. Um, had kind of thrift store kind of vibes. So anyway, I walk in, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I've got my day. So I'm just taking my time. Uh, oh yeah, I was going to look for a purse because I've been wearing this, green purse that you've probably seen on my Instagram for the past, like, two years. Um, it was actually from one of my ex's grandmas, so shout out Guna. Thank you. I loved that purse, and I wore the shit out of it. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, I think it's time for me to get a new purse. Um, the, like, strap is wearing away and stuff. And I've really been eyeing just, like, a simple, like, kind of slightly smaller, plain black 
I still like the like shoulder strap kind of purse. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, oh, maybe I'll just get another purse. So I go to Macy's backstage and I'm looking through their purse section and it's just all shitty. It's like nothing is simple. Everything has like sparkles on it. And I was just like, mm, okay, it's a no from me. Um, but that brings me to the shoe aisle. And I was like, oh shit, okay. <sighs> the first thing I saw were these, I would describe them as platform slides, like platform sandals, Tommy Hilfiger. Um, these ones were black, white, and blue, mostly like black and white. Um, but they're just like these platform, they were very like 90s, they were kind of like foamy. Um, <laughs> and I just grabbed them and I tried them on. They were very comfy, they were too big for me. They definitely ran small, but they were a size 10, and I'm usually like a size 8. So I was like, mm, these are too big for me, but they were on sale, they were like 25 bucks, usually about 50, 60, I don't know. So I start Googling them because I'm like, are these worth it? Like, when did these shoes even come out? Like, are they five years old? Are they like kind of a current style? Like, it doesn't really matter to me, but I wanted to know like how good of a deal $25 was, you know? If I could find the perfect pair in my size on eBay or Depop, whatever, I would do that. Um, so I'm sitting here like, <laughs> I was wearing my socks and then I put on the sandals. They were fucking dope. They were very comfy. Um, but I'm just like sitting on one of those little stools, Googling and just wearing the shoes for like way too long. Um, and then I decide, no, like they're not my size. I'm not going to do it. But then I look through all the other aisles and then I do find them in eights but not in nines. And like I said, they ran small, so an eight didn't fit me right. And I was like, oh my God, this is so rude, you know? But then I was like, okay, it's a sign that I shouldn't buy it. Meanwhile, I was Instagram storying <laughs> the whole thing. So if you saw that on Instagram, shouts out, I did not end up buying them. Um, and I was like, all right, I have to leave the store. But <sighs> leaving the store, I see all the clothing and so many things caught my eye. I went straight for these like funky short like little tie shirts. There was like a red Hawaiian style one and then like a bunch of other ones. And I just like kept finding amazing things, which like rarely happens to me. I don't usually like shopping in like a regular kind of store. I like thrift shopping because it, it's that kind of like sense of just like discovering something or stumbling upon the one perfect item. So like that's kind of what it felt like. You know how in like a TJ Maxx like there's no order. Everything is just thrown all around. If you find one thing or one size of something, there's like no guarantee that you'll find any other ones anywhere. So I was just like going for it. And I found these pants that jumped out at me and they were brown high-waisted corduroys, which is like one of my top three like, on the lookout items of all time. Like, I don't know what it is about corduroys. I fucking love them. I do have one pair that's, like, skinny, but it's absolutely, like, wrong. They don't fit very well. Very disappointing. Um, I still wear them sometimes, but they're sad. So I found these. They're high-waisted. They're bell-bottoms. And they're from Free People. The tag says originally $128 on sale for $4.95. Four. Are you fucking kidding? Free people jeans? Four dollars? <sighs> what the fuck? That was by far the cheapest thing that I saw in that store. 
I was like, do they understand what free people is? I don't know. It blew my mind. It had been reduced, like, many times. Um, so I was like, okay, I guess these pants just aren't anybody else's style, but I'm into them. And then I look, and they're, like, a 25 waist. And I was like, ah, that's, like, not my size. Like, I, I don't even know what my size is ever, but I think it's between, like, a 27, I don't know, 26, 27. So I kept grabbing a bunch of shit, and I went to the dressing room, and, like... I'm, like, crying, but that's because I'm choking. But also, I'm emotional. Um, I put on the first shirt. I'm like, this is dope. And then I grab the pants. And I'm like, these aren't going to fit. I'm putting them on over my legs. They're stretching nicely. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm like, is this the actual sisterhood of the traveling pants? Because I put them on. And they fit unbuttoned. And I start to button them. And they fucking fit, dude. They were so stretchy. And I was like... What the fuck is this? Like, you do not just find pants that fit. You know? Unless, I don't know, maybe you're a guy. <sighs> pants fit you guys easily. Um, as a woman, finding pants that fit you, that fit your waist, that fit your butt. Oh my god, they fit my butt so well. They look so cute. The only issue is they're a little long. But I have these, like, <laughs> these, like, like uh, bright kind of blue high-waisted um, bell bottoms. And I wear those with my, like, big, black, chunky, like, platform shoes. That's the only way I can wear those jeans. So I was like, oh, I'll just do the same thing with these pants. Needless to say, I bought the Forever 20... What? Oh, my God. <laughs> what if I lied to you guys? And I was like, yeah, they're from free people. And they were from Forever 21. No, I lied. Um, I bought the free people $5 miracle pants as well as some other shirts and like a little um little kind of jumpsuit thing. I'm looking at it over there. But anyway, it was a it was an amazing shopping trip. Like rarely does it happen that I'm in the dressing room and things fit and I feel good. Like, you know, I'm so 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 bored of shopping because like so often you're trying to find just like anything and like nothing fits and it just makes you feel bad and ugly about and you know just makes you feel bad about yourself so to have like the opposite happen like right after I was gassed up by the dermatologist's office I was like today's my day bitch <laughs> here we are let's buy some clothes even though I don't know I always feel a little guilty buying clothes which is annoying um I mean, it's good to be aware of, like, my consumer habits, I guess. Um, but, like, I cannot go to the mall and walk into a Zara, H&M, Forever 21 and feel good anymore. So I just try to avoid going in there at all because I know I'll see something cute and I'll want to buy it because it's cheap. But I have to actively remind myself, no, bitch, that's fast fashion. Don't support that shit. But then I look at any other store, like, I'm like, oh, Madewell has such cute stuff. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that shirt is on sale for $60. That's a no for me. Like, trying to shop for Miami, I was like, I need some cute clothes to wear on the beach and be comfy in, in warm weather because I have, like, nothing. Um, Nathan and I were at the mall and, like, I, I, I could not let myself go into Forever 21 because I fucking knew if I went in Forever 21, there would be cute summer dresses. They would have some cute ass rompers. They would have some cute ass jumpsuits, but I could not let myself. So at least at a store like Macy's Backstage, shouts out, sponsored, I wish, um, give me my $81 back. I spent 81 bucks on like five or six things. That's pretty amazing. I got some good stuff. 
So anyway, I felt really good, and it, it is more fun, I think. I think it's a lot more fun than shopping in a store where there's so much of a surplus that you know, like, so much of it is just gonna go to the landfill. I mean, like, that's that's why stores like that exist. <laughs> Obviously, those are the unsold items, which almost makes me, like, happy. I heard this, like, discussion recently. I don't know what it was, but it was someone talking about fashion, and they were talking about how, like... Like, I think it might have been Crystalia. <laughs> I think so. Um, whatever. Saying, like, in fashion, like, or maybe Safia? I, it doesn't matter. They were saying, basically, things that are very fashionable get, like, very, like, they go all the way to ugly. Because sometimes things that are so good, like, aren't in fashion. And I don't know if that makes sense the way I explained it. But it kind of explains, like, my sense of style because I've always, like, I've always joked that, like, the things I'm most attracted to when shopping are the things that, like, I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's hideous. I want it. Um, so that's kind of the reaction I had with, like, half the stuff that I just bought. But it was so fun. And it is fun to know, like these things didn't necessarily make it, or even they were just, like, the last of its size or whatever. I really would be interested in looking into how stores like TJ Maxx and all of these, like, leftover stock stores work. Um, I don't care how they work, though, because they give me discounts, and it's a little bit more of an adventure to find things. I talked about this for goddamn way too long. I'm gonna take a break, and then we'll get back to talk about other things, okay? All right, welcome back, my dudes. Um, I always have to take, like, a literal breather because I get to the point where I talk way too fast and I can't pause comfortably, mostly because I'm aware that, like, I breathe pretty loudly and if I take a <laughs> second to breathe, I'm like, they can hear everything. Just avoid it by not breathing. But then I'm, like, speaking really, like, you know. It's a podcast. I have to chill out. Next, I want to talk about some of my barista problems. Shout out to any of you who are also baristas or work at Starbucks. Um, I'm sure some of you will agree with me about some things or you may disagree with me. The one story I told a couple episodes back about the lady with the Americano who like kept having us remake it in the middle of a rush, um, somebody commented um, saying that they work at Starbucks as well and that they disagreed with me and thought like, you know, it's Starbucks we, like, our whole promise is to remake a drink until you're happy with it. And I do agree with that. But I think as a customer, even, like, if you're so dissatisfied, like, why would you want <laughs> baristas who are clearly stressed and don't have the time to, like, fix a machine or collaborate, collaborate, um, whatever that word is. If we, in the middle of a rush, don't have the time to, like, fix the machine and make it whatever way you want it, like, us remaking that same drink over and over and over, it's not going to come out differently. Um, so in that moment, I'd be like, okay, like, like either give me a refund or I'll just take this slightly watery drink this time, you know? I don't know. That's just me, but some people have another opinion. Anyway, I wanted to talk about some, some bucks problems. Um, here's the thing. Some days I go into work and I'm like, ooh, I hope I'm on bar today because bar is when you're making drinks. You tend to be a lot busier because obviously it takes longer to make drinks than it does to ring people up. So when you're on register, at least I find like, like, 
you know, you bring somebody up and then you're just standing there and you're planted, which means that you have to stay like at the register. You can't go around and do other things. So like, it's not like every time there's a lull, you feel obligated to go clean something or restock something on register. Um, and same thing for, for bar, but like the drinks never end really. Um, the longest like lull you have on bar is like a second to catch your breath and maybe like restock lids quickly or something. But um, I like bar because it does make my shift go by faster and I just stay occupied and, and I don't have to talk to people as much. All I have to say is their drink and thank you. Um, so anyway, I like bar, I like making drinks, but I get so fucking sticky, dude. Like you're getting every kind of syrup all over your hands, your arms. I wear this shirt, I wore this to work today. And it's brave because I get syrup splattered on my like forearms all the time. Um, and then recently, like, I don't know what happened, but like something shot out sometime. And like, I got some kind of syrup under my bangs, like on my forehead <laughs> in the middle of a rush. It's always in the middle of a rush. And I just had to keep going. But I was like, I'm pretty sure I visibly have syrup in my hair and on my face right now. And I can't do anything about it. Um, that's probably like my least favorite situation on bar is like being <laughs> gross. Because I get I get really like greasy, I think. Like, um, I don't know. I just feel like the coffee oils in the air like get on my face. And obviously I'm probably sweating a little bit too. But I just feel so greasy. And I'm not a greasy, like, person. My skin is naturally pretty dry. It's only while I'm at work on bar running around, whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I feel so physically, like, ugly. And then I'm just sticky. And you, you wash your hands. Or my biggest thing, I, like, I want to keep the counters clean. Because there's a point where the counters get so wet because you're rinsing things and blah, blah, blah. The counters get so wet that, like, your cups will start to float on the counter because there's, like, so much water on them. And then there's, like, milk and there's syrup and, oh, my God. That's what I'm dreaming of during a rush is, like, time where I'll be able to, like, clean the counters and actually dry them and have them be nice and not sticky for a second. Um, but anyway, recently, <laughs> I don't know how I've been doing this, but I have a problem with lids sometimes, mostly Frappuccino lids, um, where I'll just, like, it's so frustrating. You have to be careful. You can't overfill it. Um, the frappuccino, especially if you're adding whip, because then some will seep over the sides. And then for some reason, when you're trying to put on the lid, it just doesn't want to go on and like, it just won't snap. And then, oh my God, it's happened so many times where I make the perfect frappuccino and they're painstaking, dude. It takes so much effort to make a frap, especially when you have a whole line of them to make, you know? So I'm like making this frap, I'm trying to hurry. And like, I pushed the lid too hard and the whole thing just went and like flew onto the wall and the blenders and all over the counter and the floor. Luckily not on me, cause that would be hell. Um, but I just stood there like, mm, nice. And like it's happened multiple times in the past few weeks. And like, there's always someone nearby who sees it and they're just like, oh, you all right? And I'm like, I'm fine. I just, I have to remake that drink and now this is a mess. So anyway, that happened to me like multiple times. Um, I also, I, th I was, like, I had a cup of, like, milk to, like, put ice in, and it was, like, during a very busy time, and I turned around, and I ran into my coworker, and, like, the cup did, like, a Lizzie McGuire kind of splash, 
<laughs> and like it landed on me. It landed on her. I felt it over my shoulder. I knew it was in my hair. Milk! And I was just like, oh, fuck. Um, and again, you're in the middle of a rush. So you can't even take a second to like really wipe everything off of you or like check that you look normal. Oh my God. Another thing I've done, we have these little like, basically it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a little spout that sticks up that you can put all the cups and different things into, pitchers and stuff, um, to rinse them quickly. And if you say you're like rinsing a lid, I don't know, like a frap pitcher lid, um, if you hit it at the wrong angle, obviously it's going to spray out. So, like, one time in a hurry, I did that, and it shot me straight in the eye. And I was like, okay, my eye makeup is for sure melting. Like, my mascara, my fucking eyeliner, whatever. I was like, I just shot myself in the eye, and now my bangs are wet. Like, I for sure look like a crazy fucking idiot now. Um, that's the worst. The last thing I want to talk about um, I don't know why this has been happening recently, but, like, it's not even a, bi- a major thing at all. It's a very minor thing. But, like, there are customers who, okay, I don't know. Like, the only behavior that bothers me is when it's a rush and people get ridiculous. Um, <laughs> this happened during a rush where, like, okay, you can stand and, like, kind of look over the counter, like, over the bar, and you can kind of watch me make drinks and stuff. Um... So you should be able to see the, like, line of cups, but I'm sure customers don't pay attention to that other than looking for their own. But, like, when I'm on bar, I'm making, like, at least two drinks at once. So you're going through all these sequences, like, you're trying to remember what, like, syrup and milk, and you're already planning so far ahead for the next drinks just to, like, stay in your little routine. So customers sometimes will interrupt me and be like, hey, where's my drink? Like, looking at everything I'm making. And I'm like what? Oh my God. Where's my drink? I'm like, one, what's your name? What is your drink? I didn't take your order. I don't know you. Like, I haven't even barely like looked up and actually registered anything because I've been so focused on these drinks for like the past hour. And then suddenly someone's like, where's my drink? And I'm like, the time that it's taking that, that you're distracting me in this moment is throwing off my whole sequence, it's throwing off my routine, and I don't know what your drink is. So then they say their name, and, like, it's always behind, like, a long line of mobile orders or something, um, which is so annoying, and, like, I've seen customers in the store get annoyed when, like, I'm making drinks, and I'm just making the next one that's in line. Like, I'm not really looking, um, but I'll go, like, mobile order for so-and-so, mobile order for so-and-so, and they're like, <sighs> and I'm like, they're mobile orders. I still have to make them. Like, I know you've been waiting, but like these 10 drinks came in front of you. And if they're not ready when this person comes in, they're going to be pissed because they ordered in advance. Um, and then there's always the person who's like, I'm in a rush. I have to go. I'm going to miss my train. And I'm like, what's your drink? Oh, it's like six cups behind. Like, did you give yourself three minutes to get a drink? Like you came in here, you stood in line, you saw how busy it was. And you still, I mean, I don't know. I get it. People are in a hurry. But if you're in that much of a hurry, either plan ahead in mobile order or don't get your Starbucks right before you've got to leave or you've got to go to your train or go to freaking school, you know? It's aggravating. I have to remind myself it's fine. They're just people. They just want their coffee. But I'm like, dude, plan better. Like, that's it, dude. It's not, it's not that 
big, like, I don't know. But me as the barista in that moment, I'm just like, you're stressing me out, man. Like, you need to calm down. I can't necessarily have your drink cut all these other people. Because guess what? There are other customers who ordered in-store like you who are probably also trying to get somewhere. And they're not coming at me expecting me to let them cut the drink line or something. <sighs> it's crazy. It's just, it is truly crazy how busy we get. You know, during like an actual rush, um, the drinks can build up so much, especially when you throw in frappuccinos. Fraps take so much longer than other drinks. It's like if the whole, like if I had 30 cups lined up that were all iced coffees, it'd be done so fast. If I get 30 frappuccinos, that's going to take forever. We had um, happy hour recently, which was like half off frappuccinos after 3 p.m. And it was like, it was terrifying. <laughs> I wasn't even on bar for that, which I was so glad about. Um, I was on register, but just like seeing the line, like wrap down one counter and down like another counter. It just like, it was endless. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. So, um, let me take a break. Anyway, that's, that's the end of my rambling about Starbucks. I just wanted to mention those few things. And for those of you who work in the service industry or uh, are baristas or whatever, Please, um, you know, share some experiences down below, either of embarrassing, like, oh, I spilled all over myself, ha <laughs> fuck, moments, or just <sighs> not, like, ridiculous customer requests, because, like, I haven't had anyone be absolutely ridiculous, but, like, some people are very, like, not understanding, you know, and it's just, like, <sighs> I just don't have the time to deal with it. I'm like, ah, oh, talk to my supervisor. I'm literally busy. I just want to tell you guys also about one guy. I'm still on the brink of a sneeze, but I'm just going to keep going through it. <laughs> now my nose is like stuffed. Ugh, there's so much dust in here. I have one regular customer who comes in and he's like kind of this like manly, like older man. He's got a mustache, I think. Um, and like when I was new, I remember him ordering his coffee and he, this is, like, totally throwing him on, under the bus. But I just want to tell the story. He doesn't listen to my podcast. Don't worry. Um, he comes up, orders a bold, which is our dark roast. Grande bold. Very standard cup of coffee. Our usual thing is a cup and then the little sleeve, obviously. Um, <laughs> so I, like, get his coffee, I sleeve it, and then he goes, Oh, I don't want a sleeve. I want double cupped. Sleeved are first. I'm ruining this delivery. Okay, rewind. <laughs> I grab his coffee with a sleeve. I give it to him and he goes, I don't want the sleeve. Sleeves are for sissies. I want it double cupped. And I was like, you're like a man of retired age. And you just told me you want your coffee double cupped because sleeves are for sissies. It made me so confused, but now it just makes me laugh. <laughs> this dude comes in all the time. I bet he was in there today. I think I saw him. Um, but like now I know, so I'll double cup it right away and blah, blah, blah. But he still said it. Like this week he said it. Like I was like double cupped. He's like, yep, no sleeve for me. Those are for sissies. And I was like, <laughs> like I was like literally like giggling to myself as I was filling up his coffee and my back was turned to him because I was just like, I was like, I almost want to have like a little confrontation with this dude and talk about toxic masculinity because I'm just like, man, what happened? Like, why do you think putting a sleeve on your coffee cup is a sissy move? 
there's so much going on here, so much to dig into, but like, I just want to have a conversation. I'm like, what else is for sissies? Recently, I also asked if he wanted room for milk, which I, I thought that he would say, no, that's for sissies. Because like milk, obviously for sissies, right? But no, he said yes to, to some room. Um, it was just funny. I'm like, I want to, <laughs> I wish I could like play a game with this guy, like hold up various objects or like ask him different questions and, and just see what he would classify as for sissies. Um, also just the fact that he used the term for sissies, or did he say wussies? He definitely didn't say pussies, because that would be too much for me. I'd be like, okay, now you've gone too far, sir. Excuse me, sir, do not use that language in my establishment. Um, excuse me, sir, as a Starbucks partner, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave because you said the P word in a derogatory way. Just kidding, that is not our company policy. We are actually, we'll let you do whatever the fuck you want. Because this is Starbucks. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. All right. Hello, my dudes. Welcome the frick back. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about. I, I'm amazed that I only talked about these things and it's taken up so much time. Um, next thing I wanted to talk about was Wild Wild Country. In case you don't know about it, it's a new documentary series on Netflix. You should absolutely watch it. Basically, I had heard just a little bit about this beforehand. A lot of people were talking about it online and stuff. Um, the gist is like this guy called the Bhagwan, who is like kind of a spiritual leader in India. Um, he brings his followers to this random like town in Oregon to set up like basically an ideal city and just like that's where they're gonna start their movement or like continue their movement and build their their perfect society um obviously it's fascinating a lot of people throw around the word cult and like oh man i don't even know where to begin like um i asked nathan if he wanted to watch it we have been flying through so many different like series and like we just can't watch something long enough, you know? Like, we, we binge watch things so fast that, like, it's over in a few nights, you know? So, we start this one, and, like, the first episode starts a little slow. It's, like, six episodes, and they're, like, 45 minutes to an hour long each. So, it's, like, it's a lot. But the first episode starts out very, like, mysteriously and not quite, like, not quite chronologically. Um, but it introduces, like, the main talking heads of the documentary, and, like, for the first, like, 30 minutes of the first episode, you're just trying to understand what the fuck is happening. You're like, I know it's gonna be about this, dude. I know it's gonna be about this, like, movement or this group, but, like, they're not really telling us much. So, it hooks you in, because you're intrigued. But, um, <laughs> they also have, like, the opponents, so, like, the people, um, from the town called Antelope, Oregon, uh, which was, like, literally population, like, 50 people. Like, only old, like, conservative retirees lived there. Um, and suddenly, like, <laughs> this huge amount of land, like, 80,000 acres is bought by this, like, mysterious group from India. And then all these people move in. And they're just like, what's going on over there? It's absolutely fucking crazy, dude. I don't want to spoil too much. But, like, there's so much that goes on that, like... I really couldn't spoil it for you. Um, 
But yeah, it is absolutely fascinating. I could not believe that I had not heard of this before. Um, the group is called, like, the Rajneeshis. I don't... I'm, like, forgetting things already. But basically, there's the Bhagwan. He's, like, this symbol, and he's, like, the leader. And he he does his, like, talks on everything from, like, spiritualism to capitalism to religion to sex, drugs, like, you know. He's basically, like, a very liberal and modern um, religious leader, I guess. But also he says he's, like, against religion or he's not part of any religion. So it's, like this, like, spiritual thing. Um, he leads these, like, very controversial, like, like, modern New Age meditations that are very, like, wild. But anyway, like, this was happening, like, starting in the late 60s, I think, the movement in India. And it was 1981, I think, when they first moved to Oregon. But it's, like, people from all over the world, these very a lot of people were very intelligent, you know, they were professionals, they were doctors, lawyers, um, you know, super educated, just like rational people. They got tired of leading their regular lives and they wanted to experience something different, you know, as people do. Um, So in seeking like some kind of enlightenment or purpose or, you know, just a different like pace of life, they all become followers and they become Rajneeshis. Um, and God, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. It's crazy. Um, I don't know. I might spoil a little bit. So if you haven't heard, maybe skip ahead a little bit. Basically, it's like throughout the six parts of this documentary, I go from sympathizing with different um, people to completely like changing my perspective on them. Like, Um, Sheila is the personal assistant or secretary to the Bhagwan for, like, the bulk of this whole movement to Oregon and all of the major things that they do. Um, they did construct, like, their actual construction and design of the city is absolutely incredible. It was called Rajneesh Param. Um, they did. They built, like, a perfectly designed city. It was sustainable. It wanted to be self-sufficient. It was beautiful um, and incredible. It, I just, it baffles me. Clearly very smart and talented people and so hardworking. But, like, I don't know. They're so, so, so devoted to the Bhagwan um, and this movement. And, like, all there's so, there's so much footage of everything because they wanted to document themselves so, like, there's so much firsthand footage, and everyone you see is just smiling and laughing literally 100% of the time. Um, and they also only wear red. Dude, it starts off as, like, this orangey color, and then finally their palette is, like, you can wear red, orange, pink-ish colors. And it's, like, it's so fascinating. It's so, so interesting. But anyway, like, Sheila... Um, who was the Bhagwan's, like, second hand, basically. She was behind and in charge of so many of the projects and the way that the media, like, um, handled the community, the city. Um, She was the representative. She was the face. And, like, she is a badass, crazy woman. But, like, my perspective went from, like, I don't know about her. She seems too committed to the Bhagwan. Like, she says she's in love with him. She's obsessed with him. She would die for him, whatever. Um, 
And then by the end, she's committed so many crimes and she's just like, she's gone wild. And oh my God, it's just like, (laughs) but by the end, I'm like cheering for Sheila because I'm like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, this this is probably making no sense, but it's just, you have to watch it. It's it's really good. I, I want to have, like, a full debate. I, I could have honestly done, like, a full podcast episode after watching each segment or, like, every two because there's so much to unpack. But, like, one thing I'll say is I really wanted to see more of, like, because there gets to be a lot of, like, political drama and, like, cultural drama, like, between the government and, like, the rest of Oregon versus this city and this community. It gets very complicated. But, like, um, I wanted to see more about, like, the day-to-day lives of all the people in Rajneesh Param. Like, because they talk about what they what they do. They're all kind of working or they've got their places in the city. Um and they eat together, they get their two beers a day. Apparently there was a lot of sex going on all over the place, but like, I wanted to know like day to day, like what what the beliefs still were and like what the teachings were. Um, I don't know, I don't know. Cause I'm just like, it, it blows my mind. And that it's the fascinating thing about like any cult and you look at like who its followers were, you're like, how could this like, you know, mild-mannered, very adjusted person becomes so, so committed to this person and this leader or this group and how could they kind of lose their sense of self or how could they, how could they lose their sense of justice or, you know, like, they just become so, like, absolutely devoted to this group or this, you know, whatever. How do they do that? How do these smart people do that? And it's like, that's the fascinating thing. It's like, these people are not stupid. And even if you were, it doesn't take a stupid person to become committed like that. Really, some of the the leaders behind the group were probably, like, the smartest of them all. Um, But, like, you know, book smarts and intelligence like that has nothing to do with... um, how hardworking you can be or how loyal you can be or how cunning you can be or how dangerous you can be, really. So it was just, it's absolutely fascinating. It is such a good series. Um, it ended and I was just like, wow. Because by the end, you're like, okay, how does how does this all wrap up? How does everything come together? Like, how do these people... How are the people that we're seeing in these interviews, like, how are they not still in prison, you know? Like, how how does this ever come to a resolution? Um, it's fascinating. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. If you haven't seen it, you should. Um, but other than that, we started a new series. Of course. Literally, it, it doesn't even take one night. Like, we've barely been watching movies lately. We've just been watching, like, a lot of, like, Netflix or Amazon shows. Um also a lot of British shows. So we've been watching a show called The Undateables, um, a lot of which is about people who have um, disabilities, um, physical, mental, you know, um, dating and how, you know, they struggle to find people or they struggle to like learn how to go on a first date or they want a relationship but don't know how to really pursue that. And that show is awesome. It's, it's really great and it can be really sweet. Um, we also were watching... 
Bandatables and there was another British one. Oh, <laughs> Age Gap Love. That's on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's about age gap love, age gap relationships. So, you know, it explores people who are like, okay, he was 17 when I met him and I was 40. Or like, I'm a 40-year-old woman dating an 80-year-old man and we just had a newborn baby together. It's fascinating. I just, I love, I love those kind of like social documentary shows just because everybody likes to see a little peek into these like interesting people's lives, even though it may like, I don't know, you may be judgmental about it. There are definitely a few couples on there where I was like, okay, this is kind of fucked up. This seems a little... Um, manipulative, there seems to be some kind of, like, trauma here, or, like, she's literally got to be using him for the money. Okay, there was one couple on there who was this, like, uh, fuck, what is he? This guy, (laughs) I can't remember. Um, I don't know. This guy, I think from, like, Vienna, he was, like, a, like, an 80-year-old, like, billionaire, marries a 24-year-old, and everyone's like, yeah, she's a gold digger. And she's like, no, I'm not. I love him. And she looks, like, so angry all the time. And they're always fighting. At this point, like, in the show, they had been married for, like, a week. And they're like, oh, being married is so hard. We just keep fighting. And it's like, I think you guys just don't like each other. I think that's the problem here. Um, but anyway, they did end up breaking up. They, they were married for two years. And then they broke up. And I'm like, Wow. It was, like, his, like, fifth or sixth marriage or something. And I was just like, this is so amazing. But anyway, we watched that show. I would definitely recommend that. We didn't finish that, I don't think. Actually, we may have. It also featured (laughs) this couple um, that I had seen uh, on YouTube. I think called, like, the May-December Society or something. Dude, I was so disturbed when this popped up on, like, my main page. It popped up for a lot of people randomly, like, being recommended. Um, But it was this age gap relationship where I think the title is something like, he's not my dad. And it's, like, this young woman who's maybe, like, 21, 22, and this, like, 50-something-year-old dude. And they're like, hey, we're in a relationship. We're an age gap couple. And they're just, like, they're really interesting because they're both actors and they're kind of, like, they, they try to be funny, but it's kind of uncomfortable. Um, but, like, they popped up on the show, and I was like, oh, my God, I know them from YouTube. Obviously not personally. Um, but, yeah, I was just like, wow, there it is. YouTube saw it first. Um, but, yeah, the, the most recent show I've been watching is um, Embarrassing Bodies, which is also on Netflix. Bless up Netflix for having so many programs from the UK and suddenly I'm very interested in watching British um reality series (laughs) um embarrassing bodies is literally just a um kind of an informative like medical show but it's like you know entertaining um apparently it's on channel four Nathan has told me this which is like a very like sex positive and open channel it's also where naked attraction Um, is hosted. So just like, just, you know, the British people being very open about their bodies and and embarrassing things. Um, But this all comes all the way back around to like, my medical worries, you know, being a little bit of a, um, what's that word when you're, you think that you're always sick? Mm, I don't remember. Anyway, um, (laughs) 
Watching Embarrassing Bodies. They straight up show everything. Nothing is censored, dude. Nothing is censored. Which is funny because, like, my American mind is like, oh my god, they're showing uncensored vaginas on TV. Um, but they're showing everything. Holy shit, my god. There was this... We just watched an episode last night with verrucas, which are, like, warts that get really big. I don't know. Um... This little girl had so many verrucas on her foot. It was absolutely disgusting. It was like, it was literally like Groot, but like a human foot. Oh my God. It was horrifying. You absolutely cannot eat while watching the show. And it's funny because like when Nathan and I sit down to like start watching our show for the night, it's always like right after we've made dinner. So we'll just bring our food in here and like eat a little bit while we're watching it. Um... But we started the show and we were like, no, we, we cannot eat during any segment of this show. Um, oh, God. But anyway, it is really good to see people being educated. There's, like, a group of doctors and a dentist on the show who go and, like, they'll speak to different groups of people or they'll bring their pop-up clinics, like, all around the UK um, or Britain and basically just educate people about different topics. So they'll talk about boobs, they'll talk about um, vaginas and women's health. They'll talk about penises and t looking at your balls to make sure you don't have any mysterious lumps. You know, things that a lot of people aren't very conscious of and don't make a point to like go to their doctor for or have their regular checkups. Um, and you know, obviously like your first line of defense in any kind of health situation is like, self-monitoring because if you don't go to your doctor and ask about it they're never gonna notice a lot of these issues um but dudes there's some crazy shit that's happened on that show so many crazy things and i'm just like ouch some people deal with like just some gnarly problems <sighs> i'm not gonna mention it a, a lot of them involve prolapse so just think about that um, my camera's about to die and I'm very tired, so I'm gonna leave it here for now, but I, I, hopefully you have some new shows to watch on Netflix, um, and I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you leave a comment and leave an iTunes review, please and thank you, and become a patron if you really, really, really love me. Okay. Okay, thanks, bye. <laughs>